Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Hello, this is the Infra Penny Podcast Budget Special. Hello, it's good to be back, Mark. Hello. Yes, we've had a little bit of a hiatus. Although, or it's not a hiatus if you've gone back and you've just been listening in order. But we have had a little break since the end of the year to um, reflect, uh, to do a lot of... I've got a peloton in, in the break. I've been doing a lot of pelotoning. Is it is pelotoning uh, a To peloton. Il peloton, peloton. pelote. And I saw you had a, reached a milestone recently on your Which peloton. Was that, was that my century? You reached a century. Yeah, I mean, that's not why we haven't been recording podcasts. You've been too busy reaching 100 cycles. It, well, the actual reason, obviously, with people who are up to date know it's because it's of uh, lockdown and homeschooling. Yes. But that's about to end, isn't it? Oh, yes. The schools are back. Hopefully, yes. Well, they are going back. I've got to get my career back, to remember what it is I do for a living, because I'm pretty sure I'm not a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a journalist either. Let's <laughs> hope you find it. It's a bit mean. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did hit my um, Peloton century. How are you getting on? I'm doing all right. There's, I find Peloton interesting because it's, it's very interactive, obviously, and it brings a competitive element to your exercise because you're competing against other people, but more against yourself to reach your personal best and the best you can be. Yeah, I think it's great. The instructors are very good with their inspirational quotes. And... Uh, yeah, it's got me a lot more motivated. I think there are quite some interesting ways of gaming the system, though, and getting because you get kind of different badges when you get to different points. So when you get to 50 or 100 rides, you'll get a star or whatever. And then there are people who are on thousands. I don't know how they have time to do that. But no idea. Or one way I think they could have time to do that is if you do a five minute warm up and then a 15 minute ride and then a five minute cool down, that's three sessions. Um, the guy is a genius. Um, thank God we're talking about the budget special with you because you can count. But if I then do an hour session, which is yeah. set, which technically is a bigger workout. Yeah, more minutes. Yeah, more minutes. I only get one session, but I don't get a shout out for that because I've only done one and that person's done three. So they'll get to their milestones faster. I might be fitter. Yeah, just I, I. You're right, but I won't worry about that. You concentrate. You just ride your own ride, and don't worry about everyone else. Having said that, I didn't tell you this, but I'll tell you now because it's been a few months since I've seen you. I went on to do a ride. Do you remember the one I went on on a Sunday morning, and you were on? Yeah. Anyway, I only went on. I wasn't feeling great, and I thought, you know, what, I just want to have a little take it easy and I saw you were on it yeah. so I had to go for it I had to beat your <laughs> score even though you didn't know you, I was competing with you yeah. I had to try and beat you did you beat me? So, uh, yeah I did but okay. uh, in your defence yeah. I'm a few months ahead of you so yeah. you'll probably catch up with me soon once Thanks. you get used to it it's uh, you, you just get better each time I find like yeah. life compounding life. compounding exactly so 
for this episode, we wanted to talk about the budget because obviously a lot has happened since we last spoke. I mean, this is possibly the most important thing now because the Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, has set out how he wants to balance the books and take the UK government, take the UK government, take the country forward and boost the economy as the pandemic restrictions ease, hopefully. But at the same time, we're still in the pandemic. So he's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah. He's, he's got a big challenge. It's it's uh provide for people um and at the same time he's got to pay for it. What were your sort of before we get into specifics, yeah. what was your sort of uh overall feelings about the budget? My feelings were I think the um the son who I've been doing a little bit of work I you had for two recently, daughters. <laughs> the Sun newspaper or website. Oh, we're back. The banter's back. Yeah, very good. Um, had an interesting um, way of illustrating it as a, it was a sort of like a jam sandwich. Well, that's what they're known for illustrations, isn't it? Yeah. In the Sun. And there was a, kind of a jam was a nice filling with kind of sweet announcements that we'll come on to soon. But the bread was the kind of tough bits that you've got to get through first. And he, so he's, when he started his talk, when he stood up in, at Parliament, he was talking about how because of the action the government took last year, when everyone, probably this time last year, thought, oh, it's only going to last a few months. He said, because of those actions and others they've taken, we're going to be fine and we're going to recover. And I think he said the OECD said the economy will return to pre-pandemic levels before, um, sorry, pre-pandemic levels by the middle of next year or something. Yeah, but then it's he a said, long answer. Sorry, yeah, no, because I'm going to come onto the, the crux of it soon. But then he said, "But we need to make cuts and repay interest and all that." Your son's walked in the room. So what I don't understand is, if the economy is going to get better, why worry about repaying all this debt? Well, you mean never repay it? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, it's not because it's not. You're not really never repaying. It's just as as long as you can meet the interest repayments. Isn't it? Because the government, the government is borrowing from its own bank. It's like me borrowing from myself. Yeah. So just take the. Well, let's unpack that. Your question at the end. So your very long-winded question to my question. <laughs> Why bother paying? Well, let's. So the economy gets better. So how how then do you pay it back? Because the economy gets better, and that helps your tax take. Because more people are spending money, more people are starting businesses. So you're getting more corporation tax, more income tax, more VAT. That's sort of <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, stimulate growth yeah. so that there's more spending, businesses are doing better, everyone's paying taxes generally all round rather than putting up taxes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair It's a fair point. I think that the, the cost of the pandemic has been so high, I don't know how many billions it's been, that I think even with phenomenal growth, it would take a hell of a lot to, to pay it back. So I think there, had to, there has to be some pain somewhere this is not magic that just if the country was doing as it was a year and a half ago we wouldn't have, we still wouldn't have the money to pay it back but why does it have to be paid back because the government's always in debt they rarely are in surplus so surely as long as they can afford to take it back afford to pay it back well wouldn't it be nice if um we weren't in debt and then taxes could go down because once there's no they, they only need to borrow money they need to tax us to pay out for stuff so if they've got all the money to pay out for stuff, the taxes could come down. Or is it an easy win for them to say, oh, we've got to keep keep taxing you? No, I, I, think, um, I think it was a fair budget. I don't think it's anything underhand or anything like that. I think, as I said, the bill has been so high for this pandemic that 
the money's got to come from somewhere. And yes, there's a bit of pain. I, I always think that, oh, don't tax me, you know, poor me, tax everyone else. I think everyone thinks that whatever bracket you're in, middle, low, high, you always want the burden to be put onto other people. But actually, it's it's not too unfair. But we're going to go through the individual yeah. bits, aren't we, now? And we can sort of uh, give our thoughts on that. Should we start with a bread or a jam? Um, I don't mind. You choose. Should we go I'm having the, my tea, so you let's choose. Let's go with a jam, I think. I mean, the, yeah, the, I mean, the first bit of bread was him warning... I don't really warning... understand the analogy, so you Okay, so I'll, I'll help you. <laughs> the first bit of bread was him warning that tough decisions are ahead. So that was the first bit to bite into. But then he came on to the jam aspect. And one of the, the sweet spots of the budget was stamp duty yeah so we came onto came into this budget um almost a year after the chancellor announced a stamp duty holiday on the first five hundred thousand pounds of a property purchase which saves people up to fifteen thousand pounds when buying a, yeah. a house which is obviously a big saving but there was a fear that as we ran towards the deadline which was supposed to be the end of march that loads of sales would fall through because they're all stuck in the in their chains and he didn't want to do that or people, didn't, estate agents, obviously, in particular, didn't want him to do that. So he, as rumoured, said it would be extended. Stamp duty, the stamp duty holiday would be extended until the end of June, when it would then be tapered and would be £250,000 until October. Yeah. So what, what did you think about that one? I think that's a really good idea. It's annoying that it took... That, well, I mean, they have to traditionally wait until the budget to make these sorts of announcements. But... It just means people have had months of uncertainty, which probably didn't help sales anyway. And also, it just feels like it's kicking the dang can down the road. So you think it's good or bad, or both? Both. Because I think in September, maybe even the end of June, you'll have people saying, oh, but I've only just started my transaction. I want the cut. I want the holiday. I think all it shows is that stamp duty is a very tough tax that needs reform rather than the odd bit of holidays. Yeah, my I think I've probably spoken in the past about this type of um, schemes, not the word, but this type of scheme. Yeah. Um, I don't like things that artificially inflate prices. I think it's so hard for people to buy a property to get on the ladder that these things just push up prices and they need to come down. You think of first-time buyers, youngsters nowadays, it's a, such a massive gap between the income and purchasing a property, that it w- it's not such a bad thing if prices come down. As homeowners, we want prices going up. It, as the government want that, it makes us all feel richer, feel wealthier, we spend more. But it's just making it harder and harder for people to buy. And we're, as a country, we're so obsessed with buying that we should be making it easier in terms of affordability, not just things like stamp duty where the maximum saving is 15 grand, but actually prices need to come down like a couple hundred thousand. How do you get prices down? I don't know. I haven't got the answers. That's why I do this podcast. I'm not an economist or anything like that, just giving my my opinion. And so, I mean, one other aspect, one other way that they were trying to help, another bit of jam was the mortgage guarantee scheme that has been launched. So yeah. this is the government will uh, underwrite mortgage lending for, for 95% loan-to-value loans, which sounds yeah, so very similar this- to the help-to-buy scheme, which... They ended a few years ago. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, a few people got a bit confused and excited by this one. So I had a few calls um, the day after the budget 
on Thursday and also on Friday from people saying, well, can I now change my mortgage? Can I have the, the government guarantee it? What all it's doing is there's such a shortage of mortgages in that category, in the 95% loan to value category. Lenders didn't want to lend because they were nervous about prices, about people's incomes. So they pulled them from the market. And so all the government are doing is they are trying to stimulate lending in the area. So they're saying to the lenders, right, if you st- if you offer these products again, we'll give you a bit of comfort. We're going to guarantee 20% of that mortgage if the borrower defaults. So it's not a, a loan or anything from banks, uh, from government to individuals or to banks. It's just a bit of security to the mortgage lenders that if you lend to someone at 95% and it goes wrong, we'll step in and, and pay the bill. But when they did it last time, I think there were so few that they had to cover that it's actually quite a cheap one for the government. I don't think it's uh, it's quite a good good little policy for, from their point of view. But does this risk of first-time buyer flocking to this product where they're likely to have to pay a higher rate than if they saved a little bit more for like well, It's not even a product. I don't think you, as far as I'm aware, it's not a product that you say, I want a mortgage, 95% guaranteed mortgage. It's just the lenders lending at 95%. You wouldn't specifically ask for it. Is it because in the speech he named specific banks that were doing it, Well, the ones that they've agreed to join it already. Yeah. But I think others will follow suit. Okay. So does that mean people will flock to 95% loan-to-value mortgages, whereas if they saved a bit more, they could pay a lower rate and end up with a saving? Well, it's no difference. You could say that about a year ago when there were loads of 95% mortgages. So if someone can only afford a 5% deposit and saving for a year or two is not going to make a difference, then this is good for them. Okay. Yeah. So that's stamp duty. Mm-hmm. And mortgages. And, and mortgages. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on um, the corporation tax changes? Let's talk about that for business owners. So this probably annoyed me a little bit. Well, it definitely annoyed me a little bit. Currently, all businesses pay 19% corporation tax on their profits and mr sunak's idea is to mr sunak now you're about to slag him off because you've gone gone formal with his yeah, name it's to go up to was it 24 25 25 by from april from 23 from april 2023 and he tried to sweeten that by saying oh but it doesn't if you have profits below £50,000, you can stay on the rate. So essentially two rates. If you have profits below 50000 you pay 19 and above, you'll pay 24 To me, I don't think my profits are ever above 50 so it probably won't affect me, but or it would be nice if it did affect me one day, I guess. But it's also an incentive to not take that much profit and to not invest. Because you think, well, if I'm going to get to more, I'm going to start paying four percentage point five percentage points more tax yeah i wasn't a fan of this one being a business owner as you can imagine yeah um i I think he's got it a bit wrong in terms of the cutoffs there Mm. so i get that we need to pay more tax as i said at the beginning to to cover this bill but as business owners we take a lot of risk that i don't think people understand yeah so i uh, i employ people so I've got to pay their salaries, which creates um, income tax and national insurance. I've got to purchase things for my business, which is VAT. So there's all these different types of things. And he said, I believe, that it's only going to be about 10% of companies, the largest companies that are going to pay this higher rate, because only about 10% of companies are above that 
profit threshold. But I think what he forgets is there's there's probably millions of companies in the UK. Most of them are just empty shelves, which is probably where he's got the statistic from. Mm. Most of them do absolutely nothing. Interesting. So for my business, that's a that's a big chunk of our profits. Like you say, it's an extra 5%. But actually, you don't look at it like that. It's an extra 25% tax. So if we say you're earning... As a, I'm just going to pick a round number to make this easy. If your company's got profit of 100,000, previously or currently, you're paying 19,000 pounds in corporation tax on that, just making it simple. If that then goes up to 25%, you're now paying 25,000 pounds in tax. Okay, so that you've gone, that's an extra 6,000 pounds. Mm. As a percentage, that's 31% extra on your profits. Okay, so I can't imagine them saying to uh, anyone else, we're going to charge you an extra 30% tax. And it gets a bit lost when it's percentages and, yeah. and things like that. And I get it. For the big companies, I'm talking about proper big companies, the the um, the national companies, your supermarkets, your Amazons, all these big companies that are earning millions of pounds, they probably should share a bit more in the tax burden. But for the, the smaller companies yeah your, your normal man on the street like you and I it's a bit of a a kick yeah i think it's strange he's taking a one size well almost one size fits all approach to businesses where he could do other stuff like an online sales tax that targets internet firms who can set up differently and pay their tax in different ways and in different jurisdictions we'll probably have some of that soon i reckon um, the the good thing about it not coming in for two years, well, it could be positive or negative. It could be that if things are good for the economy over the next two years, using what you said earlier about the not needing it, he might actually then say, well, actually, I'm going to cancel it yeah. or I'm going to do it at 24% rather than 25%. So there's a chance that it's there for flexibility. Or it could just be that he just wants people to have a bit of time to structure things in a, a suitable way. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. There is this thing, um, um, what's it called? Capital investments. Okay. So if you invest in machinery and the like for your business, you get you can deduct 130% of the tax. So some companies are excited, people like BT, who are spent investing billions in infrastructure. Um, How much machinery does the Orchard Practice operate? Well, if it includes things like computers and telephones and stuff like that, yeah. then we'd have a little bit that, that, that we would use, but not a, it's not a significant amount. We have software we use, which I, I doubt counts. But that's a big boost for some businesses. And that's, what I guess, talking about what we said earlier about investing. So if you can get some of these big businesses investing, that should hope, hopefully stimulate everything in the economy. Okay. What were your thoughts on... Um, Income tax, which is what affects most people, most of our listeners. Yes. Say so the, the Conservatives had a manifesto commitment to not put up any income tax or national insurance or anything, I think. Well, I know because he said that. But what is it, what he's done in a rather stealthily way is put up, not put up, freeze the allowances. So currently... Yeah, why don't you explain for people what, when, when they hear the term stealth tax, what that means? Well, it's a... It's an indirect tax, technically. You, you don't, it's not so explicit. So currently, the tax-free personal allowance is supposed to, is currently £12,500. Yeah. 
and that's the amount you can earn before tax. That is due to increase to 12,570 from this April. But after that, it's going to be frozen. It's not going to increase anymore. Yeah, so the original plan was it would go up every year. Yeah. And what what he's now said is that's going to stay the same for five years, yeah. so until so 2026. And so the, the, the stealth nature of that, I guess, is that he's not putting up the tax, but as people's incomes go up, more of their income will fall into tax-paying brackets and therefore they will end up paying more tax, even though the rates haven't gone up. So it's sort of a silent... Uh, ninja type attack there. Yeah. I mean, he did say in the budget, he did say he was making clear that the, that more people would end up paying. But I think you're saying it wouldn't be as bad as people thought or something. Well, yeah, look, it's, again, it's one of those ones where we're all going to pay a bit more income tax. And I think we can appreciate why we have to. The amount the government's paid out to people in in benefits and things and supports grants that it's got to be paid for somewhere. Um, and if your income does go up and you are caught in these brackets, you've got to remember that paying tax isn't always a bad thing. If you're earning money, that's a good thing. True. I think the wording's interesting that they said they'll do it until 2026 because I imagine by then you'll just be used to it. And they're not suddenly going to going to lower it, are they? Probably not. Um, I mean, it's come up massively. The personal allowance, which you were talking about, at twelve and a half thousand. I remember a few years ago, it was about six and a half thousand. So it has gone up a fair chunk, and hopefully, when after twenty twenty six, it will start to go up again. And maybe if things are good in the country, they'll start bringing it up sooner. Um, there are some other tax allowances. I'm surprised he didn't target. Yeah which I think could have been a little bit less um, offensive to people. Because uh, he did, well, for example, he did freeze... You mean the racist tax. Yeah, racist tax. <laughs> Ones like that, yeah. Because, I mean, there's always talk about him targeting pensions and pension tax relief, and he never does that. Or, yeah. So, because so everyone... But he has frozen the lifetime allowance. Yes, so he's pensions. frozen the lifetime. So we'll talk about the lifetime allowance, and then we'll get onto the other pension stuff. Yeah, sure. So, as a... Retiree, you can currently have what take out, have up to just over a million pounds in your pot, can't you? To to take out, yeah. So the lifetime allowance, away? <laughs> the lifetime allowance is how much you're allowed to have in a pension and uh, receive within within the normal tax rules. Let's say so. If you exceed the lifetime allowance, you pay a charge on that. So you're allowed to have just over a million pounds in your pension which although it sounds like a lot of money, it isn't for a retiree. If you are retiring with a million pounds in your pension, that in very round numbers, that probably only gives you an income of about 30,000 a year. Um, And with a national um, average income is around about 29,000, 30,000 anyway. That's not big money. We're not talking about wealthy people. We're talking about average people. So... I'm not a fan of this one. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that he's frozen the lifetime. That's a lot of people are going to get caught out by yeah, this over that, their lifetime. Yeah, because it was supposed to raise, increase by inflation, wasn't it? But instead, yeah. I mean, a few years same. ago, it was uh, it was about just under two million, and it's come down massively. Yeah, and it was supposed to start going up again, and it's it's not, and that is going to be a big problem, especially for 
doctors and senior people in the NHS. It causes mm. a big problem. And a lot of people are retiring early because of it to avoid these big charges. It's um, going to cause a problem, like we said, for average earners who are auto-enrolled into their company pensions and over their lifetime, all being well, will build up a million pounds plus in their pensions. Because would it have been less annoying if he had fiddled with the annual allowance? Because you can put up to so 40... fiddled like he's a dodgy uh, character. Reduced. Yeah, because you can put 40,000 in at the moment, which to me seems like I, a lot. Even that's... It's, it's not actually a lot, really. If you... Um, if you if you want to get a decent retirement income, you need to be putting good money away. So if you're earning forty thousand, well, you're not going to put forty thousand into your pension. But if you're earning a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand, forty thousand is not necessarily that much. So I'm pleased he hasn't altered the annual allowance because I think that that's also come down massively. It was a quarter of a million pounds a few years ago. If you think what the government okay. wants to limit the um, tax relief they've got to pay on pension contributions because that's a big expense for them. Yeah. But at the same time, the reason they want people having personal pensions is so that people don't have to rely on the state to have to rely on the state pension. So we should be encouraging people to build up as big a pension pots as possible because what that does is, going back to what we said before, if you've got a big pension pot, you're going to spend and that's what economies need and that is going to create other taxes. But if everyone's living off minimum wage and state pension in retirement, it's not going to happen. Another threshold they throws was inheritance tax, which yeah. I think is a bit of a red herring because you need to earn a lot. Your an estate needs to be worth a lot for inheritance tax to be payable. But do do you think many people will be affected by that? Well, you don't need that big an estate to pay inheritance tax. I know. I think we've spoken about this in the past, but in, in very rough numbers, a couple because you need you get three hundred. Go on, you could do it. Yeah. Is that so? You interrupt, please. Please carry on interrupting. <laughs> All right. So for yeah, an individual, uh, jip, 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 jip. you get say three hundred. You have three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds allowance before any tax is paid, and then yeah. if you have a property, you have up to one hundred seventy-five. So that's five hundred. Do many people have that to pass down even before you pass it to your spouse? And yeah, so a as a million? couple, you've got a million pounds, don't you? Yeah. Well, if you think. Without you don't don't give any of your personal details away on on air here. Right. But think about the value of your house, and think about how that might grow if you live another forty, fifty years, even longer, sixty years. Yeah. Think about your savings and your investments and how they're going to grow and how you'll put more away when your kids are grown up. Yeah. You're you're going to be well ahead of a million pounds. So I think it's another one of these stealth taxes that is going to catch a lot of people out. Okay. So Mark has just brought his daughter into the room yeah. or she's brought herself in because she's very interested in personal finance. Yeah. It's good to get them in at a young age. Donna, what did you think of the budget? She has actually been reading The Week Junior and record, what, do you, what do you call well, Rishi Sunak? Give, give, give her the, the mic. The man with the plan. The man with the plan. I like it. The headlines yeah. that she's got My already. daughter, Vittori. She can't hear you. She can't hear what you're saying. He's very impressed. So yeah, he's got the kids convinced. And did you see the TikTok he did? <laughs> and now he's going to lower the, uh, the voting age to, to eight so your daughter can vote. Yeah, to, to age eight. Yeah. Have you, uh, but you, the week junior hasn't come this week, so she hasn't been able to read how the budget affects her. Fair there wasn't, enough. A, there wasn't a lot about education in the budget, actually. Hold on, let me do this quickly. Nothing really. bit about sport. 300 million. What yeah. do you think about talking... Uh, um, Talk about us hosting 
a World Cup when you're in, trying to recover from a pandemic. Is that appropriate? Well, isn't that in about 10 years' time? Yeah, but we've got the money for that, to apply for that. Yeah, but I quite, I'm quite happy to spend money on things like that. You know, I'm a big football fan, so uh, yeah. I'd be quite pleased if we get a World Cup. It has been, what, 60 years, so we're probably due one. But that stimulates, um, going back to what we were saying before, that stimulates good feelings, positivity, which is spending. People get out there, they're going to the pubs, they buy tickets, they're buying uh, TVs. So I, I hope we get a World Cup at some point because it, it's just a feel-good thing, isn't it? Like when we had the Olympics. Okay. There's a few other bits maybe we'll just cover off quickly. Um, so they changed the penalty system if you file your tax returns late. Did you see that one? Obviously not because it's gone quiet. Oh, no, did they? I did not know that. Go on. Yeah, so Tell me about that. What they want to do is not penalise people who make genuine mistakes. So not going to tarnish everyone with the same brush. So I think it's a point system now, a bit like your driving licence. If you're late once, you get a little fine. And if you're a persistent offender, then you get big big fines. So that's, that was another small change. Um, they've changed the... A lot, of, a lot of people got missed out with self-employed support, didn't they? Yes. Um, so he brought in a rule that if you filed your 2019-2020 tax return by the day before the budget you now will get support. So that supposedly that gets another 600,000 people. But he's still not managed to find a way of letting director-owned companies who mainly pay themselves by dividends access support. I agree with that. So if, I, I, and I agree with that policy. Go on. Well, I, I, I'm one of those people. So yeah. as are most of us who, are, who have limited companies because it's more tax efficient to, get, to take dividends than salary. But yeah. your dividends are supposed to be your share of like, profits for owning the business and you're supposed to take a salary for the work you do in the business. So if, so if we choose to pay ourselves in a certain way for tax purposes, then that's our, our own fault. It's like, I mean, it's not like this, but there's a lot of people who are moaning they earn a lot of money and they haven't had support, but they don't put any money in their tax returns. You know, people who are like cash in hand businesses and things who say, well, I'm supposed to earn 60 grand, but they only put 10 grand yeah. on their tax return. They're moaning the government's not looking after me. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it. That's a different matter because that's people being fraudulent. But if you choose to live and pay yeah. yourself in a certain way, then, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah, but I'm, I luckily haven't had to access support. But say I, as a journalist, run at a my own company and take dividends and then there could be a someone who does it as a sole trader and they can access support but I can't but we've both been hit in the same way we've both had it's been harder to get commissions rates have gone down but you've only got your company compared to a sole trader for tax purposes haven't you to pay less tax you've probably been advised by your accountant to structure yourself in that way yeah but I still want to earn a living no, I get that. And, and I'm not being completely cold-hearted. It's tough. I'm, I'm just sort of saying that if you choose to pay yourself in a certain way for tax efficiencies, you can't then moan that you're not getting the same benefits as everyone else when they are paying more tax previously because they're for structuring themselves in a different way. Okay. Do you think that will change though now that corporation tax is going up? Yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing some calculations and maybe we'll, once we've run some numbers, we can chat about it. But uh, I imagine people will have to start paying themselves a bit differently. Like we said, if there's a, a 30% hit 
on your profits, you might you might have second thoughts about operating as a limited company. Mm. That's a good way of me getting free financial advice there. Come. Um, what else came up in the budget? Let's have a, I think. There was the extension of the furlough, furlough, until, uh, is it till September now? I believe so. Yes, yeah, until so the end of September. Yeah, so that's, uh, what do you think about that? That's positive. It does worry me though that if that means there will be more lockdown restrictions. Or are they just helping companies acclimatise to a new new normal? I thought it was the latter. I think it's saying, well, we're going to make... It's June, isn't it? Everything's back to normal in June, all being well. But we know you're not suddenly going to be running at 100% capacity. So we'll give you a bit of time to get your businesses back on track. That's how I read it. I'm slightly concerned that in September, when the furlough ends, that there's going to be a lot of unemployment. Yes, that's the risk. Economy take a hit at that point. Yeah, the universal credit thing was positive. That they've been giving people twenty pounds a week extra throughout the pandemic, and now they're going to extend that for another six months. Yeah, and it doesn't sound a lot because it's not really. If I think if I got an extra twenty pound a week, it's not going to make a huge difference. But for people that are really struggling, that's you know, to buy food to, to feed your family or whatever it may be. It's not, probably not enough, but it's better than nothing. Lovely. Well, I'm pleased we did a nice summary of the budget there. I think we're probably out of time, aren't we? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember, anything discussed in this programme should not be viewed as financial advice. But if you do need support, please contact me at mark, M-A-R-C, at cavendishcontent.com or visit the Orchard Practice website at www.topfs.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter at InforAPennyPod1, at Mark Schoffman, and at Josh Gerstler. If you'd like to leave us feedback, there's a link in the show notes telling you how to do that. We really appreciate any comments you provide. And do post any financial issues you'd like us to cover. Thank you for being in for a penny. Thank you.